We are now in week three. If you've been with us these last uh, couple weeks, we're in week three of this four-part sermon series called uh, The Tipping Point, the small things that, that can make a big difference. God bless you guys. I make them say, you all don't see though, and I appreciate the choir, at the, um, at the middle service, after this service, when the praise band comes in, they sit up, and John takes all my real estate, um, because he's out here, and so, I, this is wonderful, I have so much room, um, but, uh, but thank you for thinking and worrying about me, um, but the tipping point, small things that make a big difference. I want to, to get into the scripture um, right at the outset this morning. Um, from Proverbs, and we have that listed, chapter 18, verses 1 through 8, and then going to jump down to verse um, 20 and 21. This, again, part of the wisdom literature of the, of the Old Testament. Beginning again, chapter 18. says, An unfriendly person pursues selfish ends, and against all sound judgment starts quarrels. Fools find no pleasure in understanding but delight in airing their own opinions. When, wicked, when wickedness comes, so does contempt, and with shame comes reproach. The words of the mouth are deep waters, but the fountains of wisdom is a rushing stream. It is not good to be partial to the wicked and so deprive the innocent of justice. The lips of fools bring them strife, and their mouths invite a beating the mouths of fools are their undoing, and their lips are a snare to, the, to their very lives. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. Now to verse 20. From the fruit of the mouth, a person's stomach is filled. With the harvest of their lips, they are satisfied. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who live it will eat its fruit. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, that your word would speak to us and begin to shape our words and to begin to drive us in small ways to make big changes, differences in our lives, to be more who you've called us to be. Bless these moments. We give them to you. We pray in Christ Jesus. Amen. Each week, we've built. Each week in this sermon series, we continue to kind of build on the foundation of what we've, we've talked about in, in the week before. And, and to go back, in case you've not been with us um, in, in each of the weeks that we've been in this series, that the underlying truth of the entire four weeks is that it is the small things that no one sees that lead to the big things that everyone wants, whether that's in our lives, whether that's in the lives of those who we look up to, who become our models, our mentors, our examples. It's the small things that no one sees in their lives. It's the small things no one sees in your life. There's the small things that no one sees in my life that lead to the big things that, that shine as examples, that are the, the, the characteristics of the best of, of who we are. So each week we've talked about some of those small things. Not insignificant, not small in diminished value, but small in the sense that 
that they're not visible to everybody around us. And we talked about those the, the first week, the things that we build our foundation, the things that drive us. Uh, last week, we talked about our thoughts. Well, we talked about our thoughts last week because today we talk about our words. And our thoughts shape our words. Next week, we're going to talk about our habits. And our words shape our habits. So each week builds. And today in, in the scriptures, in the Proverbs that was read, you, you, there was a number of warnings about words and the power of words and, and the significance of words. But the key verse here for us this morning was the very last one. The tongue has the power of life and death. I mean, that is a profound and deeply significant statement. The tongue has the power of life and death. I, as I was preparing and reading and, and, and um, kind of researching for this sermon, I, I came across the statement that said that if you want to begin to change your life, change your words. Change the words that you speak. And, and I will confess to you when I read that, I thought that's, that's too small. That's too simple. That's too seemingly insignificant. To really begin to change the reality, reality of my life, to simply change my words, that, that just didn't seem like enough. And of course, certainly it's not to say that's the only thing. But the, the more I, I thought about it, the more I pondered it, the more I prayed over it, the more I read the scriptures in regards to these kind of truths, the more I realized how, how often the, the scriptures testify to the power of our words and how significant that is. James, in the New Testament, the, the book of James in the back of, of that New Testament, uh, James may not be a, a familiar uh, biblical character to you. One of the apostles, certainly one of the significant, as they all were significant, uh, but James, James, some scholars believe, is the greatest testimony to the, the divinity of Jesus, to the truth of who Jesus was. And the reason they say that is because James was the brother of Jesus. Now, how many of you have brothers? All right. What would your brother have to do to convince you that he was the Son of God? I've got two brothers. What would you have to do to convince your siblings, if you have siblings, that you were the Son of God? I mean, that, the point being that for James to testify and to give his life to proclaim the truth that Jesus was exactly who he says he was is significant. I mean, that, that is a powerful testimony to the truth of, of Jesus. And, and so James writes his letter there in the back of the New Testament. In the third chapter, he talks about the tongue. If you know the, 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 the letter of James, you know that he has these kind of, um, some of this same kind of wisdom that we find in Proverbs. And in James chapter 3, verses 3 through 5, he says something very significant. He says that a horse, a large, beautiful, majestic animal, powerful animal, a horse is controlled by the bit in its mouth. It's a small thing that controls the direction the animal goes. Likewise, he says a ship, a huge ship, that even in strong and powerful winds is directed by what? By the rudder, by the small rudder. And so he goes on to say, so it is 
with the tongue. With our tongue, we can make a powerful argument, or in some versions it says can boast. We can, we can talk beautifully. But he says, likewise, a forest, a forest fire is ignited by a spark. That's the power of the tongue. The tongue has the power to speak life or to speak death. If we were to kind of just do a little sample of the Proverbs, the wisdom in which I, I read part of today, if you went back a few chapters in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18, you would hear these words. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing, death, and life. Or if you go to chapter 15, verse 4, you'd find this. The soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. A perverse tongue crushes the spirit. I mean, how many of us have not had the experience where we've felt the crushing effect of words that have been spoken to us? Now, now sometimes they might seem relatively insignificant. They may seem small. I mean, something as, as simple as uh, you've, you've got a brand new outfit that you just love, that you're so proud of, that you think looks great, and somebody sees it and goes, oh, man, that color, that color doesn't look good on you. <laughs> now, we'd look at that and we'd think that, that's insignificant, unless that's you. And immediately it begins to kind of just deflate you, which is a word we've heard a lot about lately for different reasons. But... Um, <laughs> But it, it begins to kind of... I, I can remember my home church, um, which I love dearly and just supported me in my life and in my um, call to ministry. Just wonderful. But there was one person in the church. For whatever reason, when I would go back, when I was in college and in seminary in his life, anytime I would go back, felt the need every time they saw me to point out that I had gained weight since the last time they had seen me. <laughs> I mean, it was, but as silly as it was, I, I would dread, I would dread going in sometimes to the church because, I, look, I wasn't blind. I knew it. I knew I wasn't as skinny as I was when I was 16, but I didn't need them to point it out. But they just felt the need every time. And the sad part is that I was actually still pretty skinny. I would love to be as big as I was then, you know, now, but, but they, just, they just felt the need. But it was deflating. I mean, it wasn't fun. I didn't, you know, I'd laugh it off, but it, it stung. I mean, it was the words that pierced. Now, some of you have been pierced by words in far more deep and, deeper and impactful ways. Some of you have been wounded far more significantly. I brush that off. You can brush some of that stuff off in time. Last week, after we talked about the kind of thoughts that get planted in our heads, some of you shared notes with me about the things that people and loved ones and family, people who, are, who mattered to you, spoke into your life to devalue you, to, to diminish you, to... to bury you in many ways. Words that pierced you deeply that you're still dealing with. Words have the power of, of death, and it hurts. 
Likewise, words have the power of life. I, I hope you have had the opposite in your life. I hope you have had people in your life that have spoken words that build you up, that, that encourage you, that, that bless you, that speak to your worth and your value, that, that speak life, that soothe, if you will, because those words mimic, they model for us what God speaks to us about who we are. So, so we have these, these two realities and these truths, and I am so thankful for those of you that have that kind of gift to speak life and, and truth and worth and value. But, but words can do both of those things. And so for us, really, today, it's not so much to examine necessarily the outward, the people that have spoken into our lives, though that certainly matters, but to ask ourselves, where are we? Where are we on that continuum? Remember last week, if you're here, we, we talked about doing some self-evaluation. And I, and I talked about creating that scale, that slide, you know, that one through ten scale. And asking yourself in your thoughts on the, on the sides of positive or, or negative, uh, where, where you fell. You know, are, are, are you one that sees the negative or are you one that sees the positive or being spiritual um, or, or being worldly, those kind of things that we talked about last week. Well, let's do it again. This time, let's examine our words. Not just the thoughts in our head, but the things that we speak. And, and create, imagine that one here and, and ten over here on that scale. And, and the one to five side is, are your words life-taking? Are, are they, are they life-taking? Do you find yourself, and this is a hard thing, this is a hard self-evaluation, but do you find yourself more often than not tearing down? Man, you never quite get it right, do you? Gosh, I just wish once in a while you would do this for me. Man, your, your room, it's always messy. It's never cleaned up. You never help out around the house. You're never what I want you to be. I mean, do your words fall on that side of the scale? Now, that's an uncomfortable thing to ask yourself because I had to ask myself that. In fact, my own phraseology betrays some of the things I know I say too often to my own kids, especially about the room. Um, but but do, you, do you fall on that side? Man, I wish I'd never met you. I wish... I never married you. I wish you'd never come into my life. Now, I know that's, that's the harshest examples. But do you, do you scale that way? Or do you build up? Man, what a blessing you are. Oh, thank you for doing that. that. That really means a lot to me. I really appreciate you and what you bring and how you help and, and how you make a difference to me. You know, you are so valuable. You're so talented. You're so gifted. Does your language fall on this side. Many of you do. I, I, I know a lot of you that, are, that, that, that I hear you all the time, and this is where you are. But where are you on the scale? And then ask yourself this. Where are you on the self-talk? Now, we kind of got into this last week with the thoughts. I got a little ahead of things. But what are the things you say to yourself? Do you beat yourself up? Man, I'm no good. Man, I never, I never get it right. Gosh, I'm always coming up short. I, you know what? I, I don't deserve that. I'm not worthy of that. Do, 
do you talk to yourself that way? Or do you affirm yourself? I'm not talking about arrogance. I'm not talking about um, blind pride. I'm talking about do you say to yourself the things that God says to you? You are uniquely gifted. You are talented. You are created in God's image. You are value. You are important. You are worthy. Does your language fall to that side of things? It matters because your language shapes your habits. Your language shapes your relationships. Your language shapes your experiences. I, I mean, you think about this. You, you show me healthy relationships, parents to children, husbands to wives, um, brothers and, and sisters, siblings. You show me healthy relationships, and most likely I will be able to find for you in those healthy, fulfilling relationships life-giving talk, affirmation, and, and um, value that is displayed in the conversation. Likewise, you think just in your own life of the people you don't want to be around, the relationships that have broken down, the, 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 the boss who you avoid at all costs, the, the people that you see coming and you kind of try to turn the other way, or you're walking in the mall and you've all done this, I'm going to pretend I don't see them, I'm going to pretend I don't see them, those kind of people, all right? More often than not, not always, but more often than not, in those broken places, I'll show you, I'll find for you language that has diminished and been life-taking. It absolutely matters. It absolutely matters. So if we're going to begin to ask ourselves, what are the habits that, that we need to live into? What are the things that, that I need to do so that I will fall closer on this side of the scale? Because I don't think any of us are tens. We all have improvement to do. So how do I begin to approve? How do I begin to be better in directing my speech and in being one who speaks words that are life-giving, not life-taking? And the first is this. And let's go back to kindergarten. Let's go back to the lessons we learned when we're four, five, and six years old. And it's this. If you don't have something helpful to say, don't say anything. Don't say anything. In the words of the King James Version, if it's not nice, shutteth thy trappeth. Okay? <laughs> Just keep it to yourself. Keep it to yourself. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. He says this. He says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs so that it may benefit those who listen. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Now, most often this is how we apply that. We apply that in don't use vulgar language. Don't use bad words. That's how we teach our kids. Don't, don't say bad words. That's not really what Paul's talking about. Now let me pause there because you all have a habit sometimes of hearing things that I don't say. I am not saying don't go out and cuss, okay? Don't do that to me. I'm not saying that that doesn't matter. Don't walk out and go, yeah, the preacher said it doesn't matter if we use bad language. No, don't do that. But that's not what Paul's talking about. It, it could fit. Paul says, because you can infer it right there. What is unwholesome talk? Well, he talks, he says, only say those things that is helpful in building others up. So what's wholesome talk, unwholesome talk? It's language that tears others down. 
And you can be very unwholesome in your speech without ever saying a four-letter word. You can use the king's English and be very unwholesome in your speech because your language tears others down. If, you, if you're part of the, um, the, the Facebook page, I, I mentioned periodically Jason Schultz who, who does that for us and puts things out through the social media to keep people aware. Jason and I did not talk about um, the sermon. I didn't coordinate this with him, but I love the way God works. Jason posted something yesterday on Facebook, and it said this. It said, think before you speak. And we talked about this in a sermon not too long ago. And, and the criteria was, is it true? Is it kind? Is it helpful? Is it necessary? Is it inspiring? Those were the things that he wrote. He said, think about the, so think before you speak. If it doesn't fit some of these criteria, don't speak it. That's what Paul says. It's unwholesome. Does it build others up? So simple rule, simple rule. It's hard for us. We fall short sometimes. But if it's not helpful, not necessary, doesn't build up, keep it to yourself. Keep it to yourself. But here's, I think, even a more, I don't want to say more important, but an equally important truth, and maybe one that needs a little bit more of our attention because it's the, the corollary. If it is kind, if it is encouraging, if it is helpful, share it. Speak it. Tell others. Bless them with your speech, with the things you see, with the things you observe. Encourage others because that is a blessing. Why would you keep a blessing to yourself? Why would you do that? If you see somebody that's a blessing, why wouldn't you want to share it? Well, a lot of times... We just don't. We kind of get shy. We get, and I do, you know, we don't want to embarrass somebody. You know what? I, I've never been embarrassed by somebody telling me positive things. It doesn't embarrass me. I don't think it embarrasses. It. I mean, if you do it properly, you don't have to make a show of it. But encourage others. Speak into their life. Bless them. Give them the words that God... The, the proverb says it's like, it's like honeycomb. It soothes the soul. That's Proverbs 16. A kind word soothes the soul. I think Jack, Jack shared with me this morning the card that you got and how that blessed you because his sons took the time to share a word. I, I got, and I didn't, I, I love it the way God works. I love when God does this ahead of me because it reminds me who's in charge. I got a, a, an email this week. It came to the church office. And um, Liz saw it, and she passed it on to me, and I want to share it with you because it's such a wonderful example of exactly what I'm talking about. This is the email that I got this week, and this wasn't for me. This is for us. In fact, it came out of this service. It's, this is how it went. Hello, Parish United Methodist Church. We were so blessed to find your wonderful, welcoming church the Sunday before last, January 25th. We were visiting Florida for 10 days from cold and snowy Wisconsin. I must admit that we had planned to attend another church there, but we got ourselves lost along the way. <laughs> Time was getting close for the service when we saw your church and turned the car into the parking lot. We know God had a different plan for us that day. We were welcomed so warmly by the people there and then they go on to say some very nice things about me that I'm going to skip. Um, but it blessed me. But it blessed me. 
It said, we so enjoyed the whole service. The message was great. The music was awesome. In fact, they said, especially when the choir sang the offertory, another Sunday school spectacular. It brought back so many memories for us from teaching those songs to our kids when they were young. It goes on. They came to recreation that night. It goes on to say some wonderful things. And they shared with us that they said, as soon as they're back, they'll be back in worship with us. Now, here's my point. That was a soothing balm. That was a blessing that they took the time to speak, to communicate, to share. What a joy that was. I love that. That is awesome. Not all my notes are that way. So I like to see those. Words matter. Words shape and move us, begin to create what we see. Remember last week I said a vulture looks for death and a, a, a hummingbird, thank you, looks for sweet things. Bing! I was doing the, I was doing, I was doing the motions. We're gonna play. We're gonna play. Uh, you know, charades. We're gonna play charades. It matters. That's that's the thing. And the words you speak, the words you speak to others, the words you speak to yourself. We've talked about finding our word the first week. And we talked about connecting that to a scripture and using it to begin to shape your thoughts. Here's your challenge. Speak your word. Speak your phrase out loud to yourself. Hear it. There's power in hearing yourself. Again, I shared with you first, my word is momentum. My scripture came from Galatians 6, 9. Do not grow weary in doing good. For in time you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. My phrase has become don't give up. Keep going. And, and, and so what's become the thought becomes the words that begin to speak. Don't give up. Keep doing what God has called you to do. Now, based on your word, based on where you feel God's moving, based on the opportunities, your relationships, your service, your, your, your personal growth, whatever, speak it. Speak it. Allow God to use it to begin to shape the reality of who you are. Begin to shape your habits. To begin to shape your life, to, to do the small things that pay a big difference, to become a blessing. Isn't that what we all want to be? A blessing to others? To make a difference? Your words have a deep impact in that. They matter. Begin to think about your words. Begin to shape what comes out of your mouth. Not that it would be unwholesome to tear down, but it's wholesome. That gives life. What a difference we make if we're a congregation of life givers not life takers. I have a lot of room to grow in that. I'm not preaching at you. I'm talking with you. I got a lot of room for growth, but you do too. Let's invite Christ in to begin to shape us, to examine our words, and to truly, truly be life givers and not life takers. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Loving God, continue to shape us and mold us and use us. We We have so far to go, so far to go. Help us to hear the words that you speak of our worth and our value and help us to speak those words to others and to recognize the the power of the tongue and to use it to build up and never to tear down. We invite you in, Christ, to do with us as you would and we seek only to be obedient. We pray in your holy name, amen.